Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics and you get sports and you get Harry Potter, because we're going to be talking about the latest introduction to the J.K. Rowling unstoppable juggernaut of money-making prowess that is the Harry Potter franchise. We're going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them today. Very, with... very, very occasionally do you get <laughs> Yeah. With me today are the two biggest Harry Potter fans that I know. First up, Kevin Miller, longtime mainstay here. How's it going? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. And my wife, Carly, is here as well. How's it going? Good. Good to have you back, babe. When was the last time you were on? Uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right. Oh, what a tragedy. That's right. What a tragedy that was. Uh, <laughs> actually, it wasn't as bad as... It, wasn't bad. it was a solid yeah. six, seven out of ten. Yeah, it was decent. So, this is going to be a little bit weird for me because I am not as into the Harry Potter as you guys are. I was actually going to bring this up right away because I figured this would be a, a very much like uh, a, your Game of Thrones thing where you pull up that it's time for Matt Pierce's favorite game. Who that guy? Yeah, who that guy? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do enjoy that. But um, I mean, I, I, I look at, at Fantastic Beasts and we should say up front, spoiler alert, we're going to be, if you haven't seen Fantastic Beasts yet, uh, come back, like download this, come back later and listen to it later because uh, we're going to be spoiling the, the hell out of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Um, I and mean, pro I probably at... all the other Harry Potter movies too while we're. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of behind the. You're at least five years behind at this point, but still, spoiler alert. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to ask you guys, let's start, with, let's start with Carly, ladies first. What did you think of Fantastic Beasts as, as far as the spectrum of Harry Potter movies go? I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I thought the acting was really good. Um, I actually didn't really know what to kind of expect with it. I knew that Fantastic Beasts, that that's like a textbook that they all had at Hogwarts and I'm sure all the other schools, but didn't really know much about it. So I was kind of going in really not knowing much, but I really, really liked it. I thought it was great. Kevin, same question. Names reversed. <laughs> um basically the same i wasn't sure what to expect other than knowing like a bit of like there are glimpses in the seventh book uh and i don't even think in the movies at all but there are sort there are certain uh, glimpses into like dumbledore's sort of sordid past yeah. uh going back to this era and so you kind of had things where you're like, I don't know what this story is, but there are a couple shout outs that maybe we'll get or allusions to things that are going on at roughly the same time that we might get. Um, and they just seem to be going headlong into this, um, which I'm all for. I mean, I, I've said it before, like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, how come they're making the seventh book into two movies? And I'm like, they can make it into 12 movies. I would go for every one of them <laughs> because the more time I can spend in this world, the better. Um so obviously I'm a little biased, but I really liked it. It's not without its issues, I don't think. I don't think it's the best Harry Potter movie so far, but I'm really excited for what it represents and what we could have going forward now. Because there are going to be, we've been confirmed now, four more movies in this series. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. It's going to be five. five uh, are they going to continue with like Eddie Redmayne's character? Like, Are we going to see... What was his name? Newt Scarmander or something like that? Newt Scamander? Uh, I, th I think that's the intent. Um, looking at IMDb quickly, I saw the movie last night, so I'm less than 24 hours away from having finished it. 
Uh, but as soon as I got home, I went on the IMDb, and the working title of the next movie is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them Too. So okay. <laughs> it stands it stands to reason. Yeah. I mean, who knows if they'll actually keep that, and it might shift focus entirely. But I mean, I've also heard like you know little tidbits about you know the next one is supposed to take place in Paris, I and and you know it might focus a bit more on uh the grindelwald character that we're introduced to here and again we had like maybe 45 seconds of screen time of grindelwald in uh the seventh yeah. harry potter movie. that he was in the seventh movie he was you wouldn't recognize him you know what, he was because also he's mentioned... shown like in flashbacks and in visions and stuff like that like he's barely on screen at all and he's also mentioned in the first in the first movie okay so what are the explain it to me as a non Harry Potter fan? What is the origin of of what was the guy's name? Grindelwald. 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 Gellert's Grindelwald. Gellert yeah. Grindelwald. Gellert. That's it's one of those such, weird wizard names. That's not a real name. Such a Harry Potter name. <laughs> well, it's it's a very like, hey, can we make a wizard name, but also make him sound very German? Yes, yes, we can. As it turns out. <laughs> so so what 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 do you guys know about this guy just having watched and read the books? Um. Well. I know from the first book that, even I think the first movie, like, when they first meet on the train and they are, I think Harry gets, like, the chocolate frogs, he gets Dumbledore's. Yes. And... Am I, is this would this be a spoiler? I don't no, know. Just I don't know. we've already said spoilers. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean it is, but I mean it's Spoil like the away. first like six chapters of a book. I mean, yeah. sorry. Um, um, it actually says on Dumbledore's card, like on his chocolate frog card, that. It's like his baseball um, card, right? Basically, yeah. yeah that, so it lists like the things that he's most yeah. famous for. Mm-hmm. Well, that he actually was the wizard to defeat him. Oh, okay. So, um, I think that maybe. So he was these... the Voldemort of the twenties, is basically yeah, I, I think what it was. More or less, if so, you can consider like, yeah. Voldemort a pretty straight across sort of fascist uh, allegory, mm-hmm. um, this would sort of be like the World War One version of Voldemort. Okay, because right. like this guy's whole thing is, well, his. The way they establish it, because I didn't, I'll be honest, the, the biggest issue I had with Fantastic Beasts, I thought it was a really good movie. I, I, I enjoyed going to see it, and I would watch it again. Uh, I did not enjoy, because we had two twists in this movie. Uh, one I enjoyed, the other I did not. The, the one I did not enjoy was Colin Farrell. Who was fantastic in this film, by the way. I thought he was I thought he was the best part of He was up to eleven the whole time, and yes, he was great. I, I don't know if he was the best part, but he was great. <laughs> I thought he was I thought he was the he was my favorite part of this movie for me. And then I just didn't like at the end that they had this weird he was Grindenwald the whole time. I was I remember sitting there when that happened. And I I remember sitting there thinking, boy, that's I didn't like that. Like I, because I, I thought it would have been great if he was just if if like Gra- Colin Farrell was Graves, this this Graves character that he was playing, and then they captured him, and it turns out he was just one of Grindelwald's like flunkies the whole time, right? And well, and that's what I thought because there yeah. was a scene about halfway through where he's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, um, Ezra Miller, Creedence Barebone, <laughs> yeah, you know, here's this necklace. It means a lot to me. I want you to have it. It has the Deathly Hallows symbol. Yeah, it had, the, it had that yeah. triangle circle line thing yeah. that I recognized. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and now of that. and now they bring it up. That's the Deathly Hallows symbol. Now mm-hmm. uh, to it kind of expand um, on what the Deathly Hallows are to Grindelwald and Dumbledore. They are basically like childhood friends. Like they met after. Uh, 
Dumbledore had to come home from school to take care of his family after like this huge magical accident happened and his dad got sent to prison and et cetera, et cetera. Like his family was falling apart. And at that time where he was this promising student who suddenly had to not be in school to take care of his family, he made friends with uh, Grindelwald, who was like an exchange. Uh, he was visiting like relatives and they were both living together in the same sort of town, but they were friends quickly. Um, and they kind of became obsessed with the idea of hunting down these Deathly Hallows that could make them all powerful wizards. And Dumbledore eventually decided, okay, well, that's a fool's errand. And Grindelwald just went whole hog on it. So to the point where, like, super late in the books, for example, um, there's a – do you remember the scene, uh, Matt, in, like, the seventh movie where uh, Luna's dad is wearing that symbol on the necklace? Yeah, that, that, that was one of the reasons I recognized that. Yeah, so there was a, um, you know, he's uh, sort of a believer, but he's just a vague believer. Like, he's not a fanatic or anything like that. Um, but there was a scene in the book where, like, uh, the the Eastern European school, you remember um, from the fourth movie, uh, Victor Crumb? Mm-hmm. The Bulgarian he's at, oh, school. That's right, yeah, at the Bulgarian school, exactly. He's on the Bulgarian Quidditch team. Um, he comes to the wedding, too, and basically, like, almost starts a fistfight with this guy for wearing this necklace because it's like if you showed up at a wedding wearing a swastika necklace, you know? Okay. <laughs> so, and you're like, he's like, you know, it might be definitely hallows to you. It might have this other meaning, but here's what it means now. It basically meant all this trouble for, like, the Eastern European wizarding world because Grindelwald kept attacking people, like, you know, all these decades ago. So when it shows up, when, you know, it's the twenties and, you know, Colin Farrell's wearing this symbol as a symbol and gives it to someone else. You're like, Oh man, he's definitely in this camp. Right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't expect Ezra Miller to know one way or the other, but it means it meant a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I'm like, Oh shit. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause remind me again what the three weapons were. Cause one was the cloak. The other was the wand. What was the third one? The stone. The Philosopher's Stone? Stone? Was it from the first The Resurrection Stone. Oh, okay. Or the Sorcerer's Stone, I guess, whichever, because I believe they changed the name of the book depending on... But in the in the hmm. actual book, like the Tales of Beetle the Bard, is that what it is? Like, it, yep. I actually yep. own it. Mm-hmm. Um, they... It's actually the Resurrection Stone. That's what, okay. they, that's what they call it in that book. Right. So, so the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone is something right. completely different. But, I mean, it was also sort of one of these vestiges that someone could use to cling to life, which was the plot of the first book and movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it's unrelated to the Deathly Hallows. Oh, okay. The Resurrection Stone was basically that one of the three ways that someone could quote-unquote conquer death by just being able to bring the their loved ones back to life. Mm-hmm. But it was always sort of like a hollow thing, like they weren't fully alive and they didn't really want to be there and they were just sort of, you know, fogs, like shades of what they used to be. And that's what happened in the actual book, like when you're reading the book, the one brother who gets the stone, he brings back his dead wife and she's sad and he, and like not the same and I think he ends up killing himself. Yeah, so he, there was like that shadow death. There was, there was the animatic, yeah, where the dude hangs himself. That was the yeah. best part of that terrible, that, terrible movie. That, I didn't like that seventh movie. That was really I, I did a lot, but, but I, that I, sequence I, was. But that like that actual out of the park. Like they knocked it out of the park. With and that they actually, sequence. Kev, I know you didn't get to to go uh, to uh, the Wizarding World, but they actually yeah. they, they do they <laughs> oh do yeah that, this was cool they do that there. So Matt and I were in the wand shop. Yeah, oh like a like a shadow box show yeah, or something. They, yeah, yeah, they actually do that. So my parents got to oh see that God. while they were waiting outside Put on, like, a for us. Display we, I didn't get to see awesome. it though. Yeah, we were in getting a wand. That's and, so rad! And oh my God! So, so, so cool. <laughs> And we watched that like three times in a row. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was pretty slick. 
I mean, just you're right, though. I, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about the seventh movie, and I'm not going to disagree with them because I understand those points, but that was far and away the best sequence of that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. That was uh, with that sequence. Uh, I want to get back to the Johnny Depp thing because, like, spoiler alert. Um, and they, I guess, I don't know if they did a very good job uh, keeping it under wraps. It seemed like they did because I, I tell you, I didn't know Johnny Depp was going to be. Either. I had no the idea. Big reveal guy. That said, I wasn't. Well, there was that scene at the right at the very beginning where you see like the back of his head. Yeah. I thought that would be it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I mean, like it just. I'm like, yep, yeah, there he is. Cool. We don't need to see him for the rest of this movie. I thought the same thing as you, Matt. Where I figured, okay, Colin Farrell's going to be one of his flunkies because yeah. I kind of give that away halfway through. I didn't expect it would be him in disguise, which rang a little weird to me. Like that might be one of the few negative points I have against this movie. I, didn't, I, yeah. I, did that I no, I didn't, and I didn't like it because to me, you know what it felt like? It felt like Depp happened to be on set one day, and, and they just they, and they were just like. <laughs> They were like, can we can we get Depp in? Can we get him in makeup for like we can shoot him out in like an hour, right? And then it was just like, oh, it to me. It, it, I don't think it was that like that to me, but it I just but felt I, so I unnecessary to me. And, and so, I, I, I'm more on your side here, Matt. That oh, it rang really weird to me. I'm irritated because um, we can't see Colin Farrell going forward in these films, right? Like. That, that was the thing that I, I think was... Uh... Well, and we might still, and this is where I'm getting a little confused, because one of my biggest issues with that reveal was that they didn't resolve whether or not uh, Graves was ever really a person, or if Grindelwald had just somehow been in disguise as him well, for years to yeah. let him rise that's through the ranks. That's why... Yeah. I think that it will. Like, I think that it'll be kind of like, you know, in the fourth book with... The like movie, Moody, movie, yeah. Exactly, with Mad-Eye Moody. Like, I think it'll be a, something similar like that where you end up finding out about this other character and, like... Someone's been in, as disguised for him for a year and he's just been, like, locked in a trunk somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but now he's going to be one of the good guys going forward because he actually is an horror for the uh, Makusa. <laughs> yeah, because that... Because that would be cool. And then we actually see, get to see him being a good guy and trying to reclaim his good name going forward. That might be interesting. Yeah, that might be interesting, for sure. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I'll cheer for that going forward. My... my... Yeah, I just, I just didn't like it because it, it was... It wasn't a good reveal. It wasn't a good reveal because I didn't feel like because the, the focus of that entire movie was not this Grindenwall character. Like basically, we had our like spinning newspaper at the beginning of the movie that that basically were telling us Grindenwall's bad and he's starting this thing. And they just sort of mention him in passing throughout this movie, but the movie right. wasn't about him, right? But, it was but, about the Fantastic Beasts and Eddie Redmayne to an extent. I disagree mm -hmm. in the sense that if you were a, a true Harry Potter fan and you know, kind of the backstory about yeah. like, okay, so the Dumbledore has obviously has siblings and the one, I think he's, he has a sister and she had, some very like interesting situation happened to her where it almost seemed like she was had the same situation she was an obscurus like mm -hmm. it, it, i don't know i don't know if that that ends up being what what she well was. she was a she was a squib too right and it was kind of a family embarrassment because the but whole she, family was these powerful wizards so they kind of kept her under lock and key but she ended up killing i thought that she ended up killing her mom so not right kev that is right, yes. Okay, so that's what I'm So thinking. maybe that's this is the way that gets played, and right? That's, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, I don't know, somehow that's going to end up tying into maybe some of the other movies that come out, but but 
that's what I mean. Yeah, I get it. I mean, if if you if you've read the books, obviously you 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 understand it more. But to me, just as a story to, uh, as a well, I'm not a story as as a device in this movie specifically. Yeah, and, yes. <laughs> yes, it was not well executed because it felt like okay, we're, we we've established that this Grinnell Wall guy is bad, and we're going to use him going forward because we now know that we're going to do five five of these movies. Yes, but the, this movie was not about Grindelwald. It was just kind of about setting it up, and then no. Uh, it, it, and it and I agree been, with you. Yeah, it would have been so much better to me uh, to leave it as a backdrop. Yeah, to leave it as a back. Yeah, because it, the it, whole reason that everyone and it, and it, it seemed like it was going to be that way for the majority of the movie because mm-hmm. the whole reason that everyone in the American wizarding world is so paranoid is because these attacks have been happening and because they have reason to worry, which is why Newt Scamander suddenly is showing up off a boat not knowing any better and oops, I released some monsters. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. okay, well, I mean, you're not helping, buddy. Yeah, it's like dude. Come on. <laughs> You've been here for like three hours. Come on. Yeah. Um, what, uh, was this supposed to take place in the 20s, this yeah, movie? I think this is 26. Okay, so do the wizardy type people in this movie live longer than the ish? powerful ones? Oh my God, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like Dumbledore like... is like super, he was like, what, 150 or something before he got. <laughs> Well, I mean, Ish. reports vary, but I mean, yeah. if he's the same age that Grindelwald is, and we assume that he is, we imagine that he's in his, like, 30s or 40s at this point. And, I mean, he dies 71 years later at the, you know, at the end of Book 6 in okay. 1997. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we could imagine, like, you know, 120 years old that he lived to be. Okay. Uh, roughly. I mean, again, I'm estimating. I'm sure that there's a wiki article somewhere which tells me exactly. exactly. Yeah, it gives you his exact... <laughs> they've They've broken it down his birthday his uh star sign <laughs> yeah. as, uh, i'm not that fan but i am a fan as an outside observer mm-hmm. i was surprised at how dark this movie was it didn't yes. feel you know like agree. a kid's movie and and I'll, I'll say this i was listening to mark bernardin this morning uh miller and mark bernardin said that he he he's on board as saying he did not like fantastic beasts like, he didn't think it was a terrible movie. Or Mark Bernardin, his opinions hew so closely to mine. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I, like, I, and I love Bernardin. Like, he's, he's one of my favorite guys. I love the Fat Man on Batman podcast. He just said it, it, it just, for him personally, he said it didn't mm-hmm. do that thing that he wanted it to do. Oh, that's fair. You know, like like the first... It, 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 was, it was the movie against his expectations. I guess, yeah. Because, I mean, like, the, the, the whole thing about the Harry Potter, uh, the first eight is, is, is how magical they are, right? And yeah. and this one, while being how fantastical very, it all is, <laughs> yeah, and 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 kid oriented, I think is is mm-hmm. how he kind of put it. But but mm-hmm. this one is 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 not that. Like he he wasn't you know touting it as a giant piece of garbage or whatever. But he, oh no no no, he was just saying it, it, it just it's a it's a, compl- it's a very different vibe. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I and I had this thought like even during the movie, I had the same thought, and and uh, I think that what tipped me off and i mean it makes sense now going back knowing what i know about how the movie ends but there are a lot of times in you know no one is basically saying like magic words as they're doing spells Mm -hmm. and if you're a fan of the books and stuff you know it's because in their sixth year they started learning how to do you know silent magic like they started thinking the words in their heads rather than yelling them out loud 
And they don't do that so much in the movies, but if you're a fan, you know it from the books. But you also see Colin Farrell doing magic without his wand in his hand occasionally. Yeah, his, yeah he was doing, like, Jedi moves, right? Like, throwing... Yeah, and, and I mean, it makes sense because, you know, he's one of the most powerful dark wizards of all time. You know, the most powerful until Voldemort. Um, again, one can argue, but it's also... And I want to go back and look because we know at this point in time... If they're following the same canon, and I assume that they are, and, you know, assuming that there's no continuity errors, Grindelwald has the Elder Wand at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, that, that's the... Was, it, was, he, was he the guy... That's the get... one that Dumbledore had in the movies until uh, Voldemort stole it from his grave. Like, it's the famous yeah, I was, one. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it, it was Grindelwald the, the grave that it was buried in? No. No, it was it was Dumbledore because Dumbledore beat him famously, oh, right? that's and that's how yeah. he won the Elder Wand. But oh, okay. there was the there was the scene where Voldemort is uh, there's a couple scenes in like visions that Harry's having, where he sees like Voldemort hunting it down and like going back and forth and like interrogating and killing people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the seventh movie, it shows like a uh, uh, like an attractive blonde kid like stealing it from um, Grigorovich, I think the wand maker from Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And he's stealing it and kind of running out the window. And then we later see, like, him as an old man in a cell. And, you know, he's expecting Voldemort to come for him and knows that, you know, I don't have what you want. You're going to have to kill me. And then Voldemort kills him. Okay. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you don't. But, I mean, that's those are, like, the 45 seconds we got in that movie of actual Grindel. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie, I think. You should cause... read the books. You yeah. should read <laughs> I, really I, I, I understand that you know not everyone has time to be like you know what I'm gonna read all the Harry Potter books. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I really don't, especially so when good. I'm especially when yeah, I'm I mean reading all the Harry Potter books probably takes about as long as reading one Game of Thrones book. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, like I, I, I it's still a commitment. I don't expect true, everyone yeah. to do it. I, I and and that, and that was where I felt torn watching this movie, and and I, I, I feel like I have to be kind of a point counterpoint on this podcast between Carly and Matt because there's a lot in this movie to enjoy if you're a diehard fan but I don't know what it would be like to watch this I don't think you would get it if you didn't know if you hadn't read the books well because like I haven't sorry to interrupt I just I had like I obviously haven't read the books so I'm 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 the big Harry Potter missed me by about three four years Oh, and that's fair. And, and it, it was aimed at an age group younger than us. I know that for sure. But you know, yeah. But, but like, I I understood what was going on in the flick through my minimal knowledge of just having seen the the, the, the eight flicks pretty much once each. Well, sure, and I don't want to say that they're bad movies, but they gloss over a lot of backstory that you wouldn't otherwise get. Same as any other movie adaptation yeah. of a book. But that being said, like, okay, I went into this movie not having really any idea what this really was going to be about, other than that, hey, it's taking place in the Harry Potter universe, cool. And, like, like I don't, I don't think that you really needed to have, like, know exactly what's going on. I thought that not knowing anything, like, if I was in Matt's situation, I probably still would have liked the movie. I thought it was uh, really, Sure, like, but I think there's an extra level of enjoyment that you get because you understand all the references right. that are being made. Yeah, it's like when I watched the Civil, you know, the, the you know, when I watched the, the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe like the movies or and, like, whatever, yeah. 
Yeah, because like there was a point. Yeah, yeah, you're picking up on like three times as many references as I am, and I'm still sort of a fan. I can't imagine what you know my parents going to see a Marvel movie would be. Because like Doctor Strange, when recently when we went to go see Doctor Strange, there's that scene where uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is saying stuff like, you know, you know this. Oh, he's like listing off the relics. Yeah, he's like listing (laughs) off the relics, and he goes the wand of Watum, and I turned to my wife and I was like, I know, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And yeah. then, I mean, and I still thought that was a good movie, but yeah, but yeah, you don't like pick I, up a, you don't get the, the little like things, the right? Yeah, and the, yeah. So when I watch the Harry Potter, I don't really get the little things. Although I was saying going into this movie that Dumbledore was going to be referenced at some point, right? Like, the, right. like somebody was going to say the name. Well, I think he was referenced. I think the scene where he was mentioned was in the first trailer, like when he's being interrogated by Colin Farrell. Well, I, I don't remember that. I don't one. remember that either. But yeah, there there was the line, you know, what have you like? Who are you that you're in such high regard by Albus Dumbledore? Yeah. And it was sort of like that. Oh shit, this is a Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like in that. In th- that situation, I I think it's gonna be like interesting, or unless you guys already know, and I'm just like super behind. Maybe I'm not as as. Uh on my Harry Potter knowledge as everybody else but I thought that like um that conversation like it would like if unless it's already known it'd be interesting to know um kind of what happened to him like why he was kicked out like what happened like if oh why he was kicked out of school yeah and like how he was so close with Dumbledore like I think that that would be interesting because I know that like I think it will, and the only reason I have expectation again, I, I've kind of looked up the uh, the IMDb page of this currently titled Fantastic Beast and where to find them too. <laughs> um, and we do have Zoe Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz's daughter, playing uh, what was her name, Lita Lestrange. Is she yeah. somebody going forward? Because Lestrange was like, well, like Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah. I know, even that Kev, like I didn't know what they were talking about there. I'm just like, hey, how is how is, is that she person, like their mother is that or something related to them? Well, it would be like a probably a mother or a grandmother, but um, the like Bellatrix was married. Bellatrix was a black. She married into That's the right. Lestrange family, so I don't know if they're forgetting about that because you know I forget what her husband's name was, but he was kind of glossed over. Uh, he was the Lestrange that kind of brought her into the fold. Okay. Right. But, but I mean, like the that. blacks were always kind of pure blood racists to begin with. Yeah. That was <laughs> Except for Sirius Black, who was kind of disowned yeah. from the family. That's true. Okay. And, and like, that was Helena Bonham Carter's character, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is that, you know, we have these names that we might recognize and we might get, like, an Abraxas Malfoy or something like that. Like, you know, a, a grandparent of Draco Malfoy that we've heard of at some point. But, you know, maybe we'll actually see him in the next movie. Who knows? But because it's taking place in Europe again, and because we know that, like, his school boy, I'm assuming Crush, uh, is going to be in the movie as well. I mean, it, it could be, we could get a lot more explanation as far as that. Especially if she turns out to not be a pleasant person. <laughs> right. And I liked, I don't know, I, so, I don't know where you're going to be going with the rest of the podcast, but I, I kind of thought that it was cool that, like, um, so... I liked that Newt seemed similar to Hagrid almost, like with the kind of, seemed kind of like an outcast into all the animal stuff. I like that and I love Hagrid. That's one of my favorite characters. Well, so. that was I was going to bring up the same point, Carly. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I have to geek out with Carly about this for a second. <laughs> because this is what happens. This is the kind of character you get when your main character is the Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Eddie Redmayne's Newt is a Hufflepuff. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you can tell by the fact that he never makes direct eye 
eye contact with yeah. and always seems to be yeah. mumbling. <laughs> yeah. well, but the... he just he just wants to take care of all the animals. That's all he's ever wanted, and that's very much a Hagrid type characteristic. What what house was Hagrid from? How, Hagrid, I th- well, I'm not sure actually. I, 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 th- I want to say Gryffindor. Yeah, okay. me too. And I and but he, I don't think he was there. Did, did he not get expelled as well? Like I he got ex- he got expelled because uh, the uh, death that happened in the Chamber of Secrets 50 years before the actual events of Chamber of Secrets was blamed on him on by him. Voldemort. That's right. Him and him and uh, Aragog, the giant spider. Yeah. Because that was the thing I, I laughed about to myself. I mean, I realize I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan, but I, I, I laughed about it to myself when, uh, during the interrogation scene, when Colin Farrell goes, oh, you were expelled from Hogwarts for releasing the animals and they attacked the children and stuff. And I, I said to myself, well, I guess they've re- I guess they've relaxed on those rules given <laughs> over the next 80 years. Yeah, here we go again. Given the fact that Hagrid was, <laughs> yeah, was, was never banished from Hogwarts for nearly killing the... Children. Well, he was. He was expelled and later given his job back when Dumbledore became headmaster. <laughs> right, but it, because so, Dumbledore's the one again, the one person who kind of spoke out in defense of him, but he wasn't the headmaster. Which is why. Yeah, it's he funny to me though. Oh, it is funny. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as like, hey, you know, Chamber of Secrets happened. Hagrid's name was cleared, but he's still not allowed to be educated. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. Oh, sorry, Hagrid. We were wrong 50 years ago. <laughs> I I want to go back and talk about how the, the just the darkness of the film because it was shot in this. It, it was shot in a weird. It wasn't sepia, but it was it was just the like it was just darker, right? Like it looked shadowier. Where whenever smokier, smokier yeah. whenever they were were shot. I don't know what the official technical term for for Me that either. type of tone no, is. I'm not a cinematographer, <laughs> but I I mean I liked it. It, it it wasn't like you could take your kids to go see it because there's not you know gratuitous violence or sex or cussing or anything like that but there were a couple of dark scenes where i was like boy that would frighten a small child if you took them to go see that specifically i think the move the, the the scene where the, the execution scene where they like messed with uh yeah that was a grim as hell that was so, that was so yeah, that was like so... i would have been like it would have been more humane if one of the wizards just pulled out a gun, which I guess would be a muggle <laughs> weapon, and just capped Catherine Waterston in the back of the head when well, she wasn't when, uh, looking. Because they were like, let's give you happy memories and then drown you in this magic, like... Well, when they're like, Graves was like, oh, do it now, like, don't wait. And and yeah. the one witch was like, oh, don't worry, it doesn't hurt. I'm like, are they going to use the fucking killing curse on them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I not was, allowed. <laughs> I was just like, good lord, what the hell are they doing? And then there was like that chair. And the chair, for some reason, made it so much worse to me because oh, it like... The obvious, you know, connotations to the electric chair that we have in real life. But it's hovering there, and you just kind of... And it was, like, lowering this, like, slowly lowering Catherine Waterston into this, this, this thing. Bolton lad of some kind. I was like, good lord, this is dark, right? That's not really humane at all. Yeah, Oh, I mean, like I was like Voldemort was was was. Yeah, give me the Avada Kedavra. People with giant snakes, right? Well, and, that, and like I don't know, maybe I just don't remember, but I don't like I just 
is that something that was ever mentioned in any of the books or the movies? Because it's just like, whoa, I didn't even know they had something like that. To, like, no, but I very much of... think that the, you know, wizarding death penalty is a thing of the past. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I very much think that's like a, hey, you know, we're in the booming 20s right now. Maybe we can uh, give up on it. Yeah, it's a very... Um, as, as far as tone in that sort of way, I actually thought it was interesting because the, the, when you said it was a lot darker, I thought you were going to beat up the scenes where, you know, Ezra Miller was very much being beaten by his <laughs> yeah. adopted mother. They never, they never showed her actually whooping him, right? Like they, you they saw would... the aftermath with his like yeah. hands and stuff. Like I just yeah, and Colin Ooh. Farrell like like wizarded away the pain in his hands and stuff. And and but yeah, it was obvious. And she was making him take his own belt off too, which is you know adding the uh, you know yeah, literally <laughs> much more powerful than physical. Uh, but yeah, like that stuff was obviously really. But I mean, they did stuff like that in the first Harry Potter, like his weird cartoony. It never got quite that grim. Yeah, because they were more like cartoon characters, right? Well, yes, and and, and that's the thing that I've always said about the Harry Potter books is that they very much age with the intended audience where, like, when Harry's 11, they assume that the average reader is 11 as well. So it's like, you know, that sort of cartoonish, raw doll, you have a terrible life, now we're going to make it all better sort of uh, English children, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, you know, series of unfortunate events sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I was just going to say, they were locking Harry Potter underneath the stairs and whatnot, right? Yes, they that were, did happen. But it was, it was like, so, like, child abuse is not uh, not something new that has been brought to the to the Harry Potter universe. But obviously, it was less dark. I'm glad they didn't actually show Ezra Miller getting, you know, beat. No, yeah, no like, kidding. But he clearly was, uh, you know... Very soft-spoken, very yeah. not the sort of Ezra Miller I'm used to seeing in movies, actually, because he's usually a very charismatic. And in this, he I don't think he had more than like maybe twenty lines. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of, and spent most of the movie cowering in fear, right? Yeah, well, and again, a very subdued Ezra Miller. I think he actually played that role pretty well. Well, he'll you know he'll he'll bounce back when he gets to play the Flash in 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 twenty twenty four after seeing that that's the Ezra Miller after they go through eight, eight nine ten more directors and and finally get the thing made. Wow. <laughs> but uh, another thing that I was going to ask you, Matt, is um, this might seem like a complete diversion, but have you listened to uh, this month's episodes of HI one hundred one? Uh I have it downloaded, but I haven't had a chance to. That he did, he was doing Prohibition, right? He was doing Prohibition, which actually takes place in America during the time period that this movie takes place in. Right. And having learned a lot now about the temperance movement that kind of caused that sort of thing to happen, it's interesting to see it reflected in the magic sort of universe when we see stuff like the bare bones, people who are very religious and they have like a we need to take our country back from the heathen sort of mentality, Mm -hmm. the same mentality that brought about Prohibition in the first place yes especially when there's also politicians in the movie as well as sort of neglected as they are as characters which is one of the crimes of this movie is underusing john voight but uh uh, but uh it's interesting to see that sort of parallel happening at the same time where we have this sort of post-world war one we have our uh uh, my favorite character, Kowalski, who's back from the war mm-hmm. um, and just wants to make a life for himself, but things are hard. And I mean, we have the sort of uh, 
speakeasy culture sneaking around in secret being mirrored very in some cases literally with the wizards when they go to a wizard speakeasy which was a great scene with friggin Ron Perlman of all people who they clearly a a person who only looks good on screen when he's playing a monster well because they they and they clearly modeled his goblin or whatever thing it was supposed to be like who like the CGI guys were clearly like we're gonna make this goblin look like Ron and and they still kind of gave I had it to look it up as soon as I got like literally as soon as the movie ended before I even looked up if there was a post credit scene that I should be sticking around for I'm like was that goddamn Ron Perlman because it was a oh, goblin with a giant chin oh it absolutely was like <laughs> I, he's, just, he's got that distinct voice right like, like I know I know I just hadn't heard anything yeah, going there, into this <laughs> was there a post credit scene because we didn't stick around there wasn't no no okay good saved ourselves a little bit of time man. <laughs> uh, you can't be too safe these days no um yeah, that. that but I thought that was a I thought that was a great parallel. If you know anything about how America was in yes, that uh, in that time period, and and now thanks to HI one hundred one, I do know how it was. Yeah, it was very very Al Capone, and had, yeah, they had the underground jazz speakeasy, which which uh, if you've never seen the Beer Baron episode of The Simpsons, check that out. It tells you everything you need to know. Uh, God, I wish I knew much more Rex Banner lines off the top <laughs> yeah. of my head. <laughs> You're out there somewhere, Beer Baron. I don't have much time, so I'm going to give it to me straight. Is some jerk sucking some drinking suds on the side? <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, that was great. Um, but I was actually in that club. I was expecting there to be a name drop of, and uh, no one's going to get this reference, of uh, Celestina Warbeck. Who's that The now? famous, famous like, banshee jazz singer of the era. <laughs> But very well known in the Wizarding universe. And there was the woman that was kind of focused on who was singing with the bald head with the snake. Yeah, one of the yeah. goblins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is that? Are we to assume? It was never made clear, but, uh, but it could be. I, I, I thought that would have been a nice, uh, a nice touch. Uh, Dan Fogler was a lot of fun. As uh, uh, he was my favorite character. He was delightful. Kowalski. Yeah. He, oh, I really he, liked him too. Yeah, and he he um, I remember him the most from. Uh, fanboys right he he was in fanboys and i never uh, saw that and then i meant to see that fanboys is a good flick he he was in fanboys and he was also in balls of fury right the ping pong movie with he played uh remember tom lennon? yeah tom lennon who played uh lieutenant jim dangle on, on we're getting real oh yeah uh, he played lieutenant jim dangle on reno 911 he was the bad guy he had to like vanquish at the end of it, it was balls of fury is a really great cult flick if you haven't ever seen that one, so is Fanboys. Um, I mean, Dan Fogler, I think had my my two favorite moments, and my one of my favorites was when he goes uh, when they're in the speakeasy again, and the uh, the, the sister Mary Lou, I think was was her name, uh, the, the the telepath wizard, which that was a whole new thing. Why how come that never came up? Uh, were there any telepaths in the? In the oh, the uh, legend amends. Yeah, there oh, were. Okay. Um, uh, Queenie. Queenie. <laughs> Queenie. Yeah. I know. Who did you say? Mary Lou. I don't know who that was. Oh, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, there were, uh, there was a plot point that they kind of, uh, did fairly in depth in the fifth Harry Potter, definitely in the book, but, uh, also in the movie where the idea was that, uh, there was a lot of stuff where Harry was having dreams of, uh, Voldemort breaking into the, uh, chamber of, uh, the Department of Mysteries. And he saw that uh, dream sequence where, like, he was the snake and saw him attack uh, Arthur Weasley, Dad Weasley. Mm-hmm. 
and was able to save his life as a result, and it's because that he was accidentally reading Voldemort's mind and vice versa. Oh, um, I thought that that was more because, like, they obviously have their connection. It's not like they just, they like, did with everyone else. You know what I mean? But the way that they explained that is that um, is that Voldemort was a very skilled legend laments as well. Um, and then uh, Snape was supposed to train Harry to sort of block it. Block so there were all those scenes where he kept breaking into Harry's mind and fucking with his memories and stuff like that. And at one point, Harry, like, blocks Snape and ends up going into his well, memories did, instead. Right, and seeing him being bullied. Mm. Seeing him being bullied by his dad. Yeah, by his dad. Yeah. <laughs> but there, was, there, was, there was a big scene about it in the fifth Harry Potter movie. Yeah. <laughs> did you see uh, Screen Junkies did the roast of Harry Potter this weekend? No, I didn't. I'm no. not usually no, okay. up on screen junkies. That one was pretty good. I think you would have liked that, Bill. They did a very good. If you haven't, I'll, I'll, I'll redirect people. If you haven't seen, if you're a big Harry Potter fan and you haven't seen the screen junkies roast to Harry Potter, there was one joke that involved like uh, how Rudnick gets up there as Snape and has a very good joke. I don't want to spoil it, but he has he has a very good joke involving Harry Potter having read his mind. That's <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, because my two favorite parts with uh, uh, Dan Fogler were uh, when they're in the speakeasy and she orders the giggle juice or whatever. And I oh, thought, <laughs> and he's just like trying to be all cool. Yeah, and, and he was smooth back laying the Jack <laughs> Webb on her, right? And he was like, there's nobody like me. Because like, I thought giggle juice was just like something like, because she was yeah. like this weird eccentric it gets you fucked up. And yeah, and when I thought she was, she ordered giggle juice, I thought she was literally just saying like, it, like you know, uh, Oh, like slang? <laughs> yeah, like slang for, like, give me a shot of whiskey or whatever, right? And oh, no, no. He actually, Dan Fogel, like, like again, smooth back, lays the lays the lines on her, and then goes, like, there's no one like me, baby. Fires it back, and then just, like, ah or whatever. Like, that was, like, because I didn't see that. Which is, again, why I like the subtext in that, yeah. because you get the idea that this is a guy who kind of has a shitty life up to that point, is trying to improve it, but you know he's been to a speakeasy before. Yeah. <laughs> like a regular mogul one, but. Yeah. And he, he went to, uh, and the the other bit, I my probably my favorite bit, uh, was, you know, when he's about to step out into the rain, that'll erase his memory of, of everything oh, that, Jesus. that yeah. happened. And he, 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 tur- he turns to Eddie Redmayne and he goes, I mean, we all know why, you know, Newt brought me. And then he goes, wait, actually, Newt, why did you bring me? And then Eddie Redmayne has that great moment where he goes, because you're my friend. Because I like you. And Dave Pogo goes, Oh, <laughs> right. That's just his delivery on the like, oh, where he was just so broken up, right? It was just like, I know. Yeah, he was like, just like, yeah, well, shit, was, this is going to make this much harder. Yeah, it's like, well, now this is infinitely more difficult. Right? God damn it, Newt. Yeah, that was. Could you do a Harry and the Henderson zombie? Yeah, exactly. Right? Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Yeah, that was. Oh, both just gut wrenching scenes. Goodbye, my friend. Yeah, so good. Which, let's get John Lithgow in the Harry Potter movies. That's that's what I say. God, if only. Um, <laughs> to I, every scene, John Lithgow. <laughs> I want to go, go off topic just for two seconds. Um, Good. Because the vibe, we talked about the darkness and the vibe and, and just the way this movie felt. Just the 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 darkness that coincided with the, the, the humor that also blended in seamlessly into the magical aspects of this world, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, for the people who are making the Justice League Dark movie, this, yeah. this, this right take, here. Take, take this as an example. Yes, this. You, this you can have it both ways. <laughs> yes, this is your template. 
that like the people who right now are, are, are working on how, how do we do a movie with John Constantine and Zatanna and Boston Brand and the Enchantress and all that stuff. This, this right here, this is what we're looking for. That, like this, like I, I would love to see David Yates now, like direct the. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't really want to typecast him, although he's done like five of these Harry Potters now, and he's probably going to do at least, yeah, the, the next Fantastic Beast. Um, the uh, the one scene in particular that made me think uh, that the 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 sort of mood for this was perfect and completely spot on for that type of movie mm-hmm. um, was the scene where they were I forget the name of the beast and, and unfortunately Eddie met Redmayne for the amount that he acts the hell out of this sort of nervous character doesn't really pronounce things super well and has a very thick accent mm-hmm. but there were those uh, blue um, sort of wyvern type characters the, the monsters snake, that the that dragon things that's right that that were famously filled the spot that they wanted to be in yeah uh, but there was the scene of them in like the um in the attic of uh it was like a museum or something like that mm-hmm. uh where they were like it was like this epic sort of we have to sort of slay the dragon you know quote unquote so to yeah. sort of speak a sort of scene but also had the underlying goofiness of it of you know we have to do that by getting a cockroach and a teapot <laughs> yeah like that's exactly the sort of very English, almost Doctor Who-esque mm-hmm. sort of goofiness that I wanted out of a very epic scene like that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still very much uh, any one of us could die during this, but we need a teapot and we need a cockroach. <laughs> and, like, as much as, like, I know there's a lot of dark parts, but, like, anything that was actually Fantastic Beast related were really good. Like, I loved, Yes, when he was doing like, the mating dance. I, I loved that. I thought that was so yeah. funny. I loved when they, like, actually... Like got into his little um, like briefcase or whatever, and yeah. like went to wherever the, wherever his home is or wherever he was like homing all the anim- like the beasts. Sorry, and like I just thought that was really cool and like just really like magical. Like I'm trying to find another word, but it would just was really really neat to see. Well, that's the kind of wonder that you're going for yes. in one of these yeah. movies, and, and that's exactly the like because uh, I mean up to then we didn't really have that a whole lot. Like, because I, I think that our window into this universe was uh, uh, Kowalski, mm-hmm. um, and he obviously didn't know anything, and so he's kind of the audience surrogate where he doesn't know anything, and he's kind of being introduced to the stuff, and it's all kind of over his head. But that was the moment where it all sort of made sense for a lot of us, mm-hmm. and and it very much was that it's it's the first. Harry Potter movie with the first time he walks into the Great Hall and you see all these candles floating yeah. and you see the, the night sky above everyone and there's all these wizards and stuff sitting at the head table and you're like, yeah, you know what? Cool. <laughs> I get it now. I'm there. The bird thing that he let go, was that supposed to be a phoenix? In any specific terms? like cause... Oh, the, the one at the end that does the rain thing? Yeah. No, it's it's like a Thunderhawk, which is very much an American thing. Actually, it's one of the things that's come out on Potter more recently, which is, um, and they mentioned the American School of Wizardry in this, Mm -hmm. um, which is, each one of them is named after one of these, like, American sort of centric magical beast and that's one of them is the thunderhawk where it's like a it's very much lives in like the desert waste and death valley and sort of stuff like that but it can control the weather basically which was really cool and i just thought that it was neat that when you're actually watching the harry potter movies it's just like you don't get to see a lot like i mean you got to see like some of the stuff that hagrid had brought out but like this was cool like i just thought and i loved the little the part where 
I actually was really worried. I thought that he was going to give away the little blue guy. When or, oh, yeah. yeah, the little green. The bow truckle. Yeah, oh, to, to uh, oh, give it away to yeah, the, the stick insect yeah, guy. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was that was the cool thing because if you're a fan, and I mean, this is the reason why I now have to buy the Fantastic Beasts and where to find the book yeah, <laughs> because too. there are a lot of monsters in this that I wasn't familiar with, but yeah. there were a couple like the Niffler, who's like this badger type creature who just hoards a bunch of gold and stuff in its infinite kangaroo pouch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, and then I mean, and we finally see one on screen, but we've heard of them since like I think book three. Right. <laughs> um, and the bow truckles, which I think were in like Lupin's uh, Dark Arts and uh, the Defense Against the Dark Arts class, also in book three. But like there was the one book where Hagrid was teaching uh, care of magical creatures. Right. And in the movie, all we saw was uh, the the hippogriff, right. Buckbeak. Yeah. But there were a few other classes that he taught, and there were nifflers, and there were bow truckles, and all these things that have been mentioned in the past, but we never actually saw them before. And this was our opportunity. Um, and, and that's what makes me want to go and buy this other book to be like, okay, what are all these other monsters that were exactly. in this? Me too. Because you know they're they're. They're briefly explained, like there's the uh, rumpet thing that he does the mating dance with, and then it blows up the tree with its horn somehow, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does any of this make sense? But you're into it. it, it you want to you want know more. And that, that's the magic of these movies, is they tell you a lot, and things are beautiful and magical, and you just want to be part of that world and learn as much about it as you can. That's the joy of Harry Potter for me. Me too. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. So that's what I mean. Like, when as much as this movie, there was a lot of darkness to it, I thought that, like, no, where, it, still had, where the, it had, yeah. like, you know what I mean? The, where it was, those lighter scenes, especially with, like, the Fantastic Beasts, like, I thought that was yeah, like when I say, really, really well done. When I say dark, I mean I mean relative to Harry Potter. Right. Like, like the other Harry Potter had, had dark scenes, but they were kind of few and far between, right? Like, like the... Yeah, more and more so towards the end, where if you watch yeah. like, yeah. where if you watch like Sorcerer's Stone, it's all joyous, and yeah, there's like a quick sort of evil guy scene at the end. But even that's like brightly colored, and it's over pretty quick. But as soon as you get into like the seventh and eighth movies, it's basically like grim as all hell. Yeah, because like, the, and this just kind of goes for it. Because the 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 two darkest scenes, I think, for me in the Harry Potter scene, and 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 you know, you can correct me on this, but I think in number seven when Ron sees that weird vision of, like... Yeah, when he's fighting the Horcrux. Yeah, he's fighting the Horcrux, and it shows him the vision of, you know, the two of them, you know, Harry and Hermione, saying, we don't really... We never liked you. You were always our idiot friend who made us look better, right? You know, and I was just like, Jesus, that's dark, right? Well, it is, but, I mean, that's exactly what you think if you're Ron. He's had a lot of those moments leading... Even in just the movies, there's a lot of moments, like, where he's, you know, fighting with Harry, like, in the fourth movie and stuff like that, and it's because he feels like he's being left by the wayside. Like, that's... It's perfect representation of that character, and, yeah. and I'm glad that you enjoyed that scene. <laughs> no, no, no. I just said like that. That bit was 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 rather dark to me, and the other one was just yeah, in, in, in eight in the eighth one when you know because you're you're deep into the third act at this point, right? So there has to be the moment oh, yeah. where it looks like the bad guys have won, and a bunch of the wizards have died and stuff, and, and it's a big kind of warry scene. And then, oh, after like the the ceasefire, yeah, when he and sees, then like everyone who's died and basically accepts his own yeah, death to save everyone. <laughs> exactly, and and then the one kid has to stand up and give the give the speech to say like, 
no, let's fight these guys. And it wasn't even Harry Potter. Neville of all people. Neville, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, who uh, stands, uh, like, the, the kid from the first one who tried to stop them from running away, and, and he ended up getting all the magic points. Oh, well, uh, here's a fun fact, uh, Pierce, for someone who didn't read the books. Yeah. Are you aware that Neville also could have been the chosen one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, um, I've seen that. I haven't, you know, delved into it, but I know that that's one of the popular fan theories is that Neville was that, because Neville's the one who... It's not even a fan theory. It's literally brought up in the books. <laughs> is it? Oh, because, like, Neville ends up killing the snake, right? That is the final... Yeah, well, there's there's the prophecy that famously is the one that said that Harry Potter is the chosen one. Yeah. But the prophecy includes the line, like, it's like they'll be born at the end of July, and their parents will have escaped the Dark Lord three times, and uh, he will be marked as his equal by him, but he will ultimately defeat him. And the only reason that it was Harry and not Neville is because Voldemort thought it was Harry and marked him as his equal, yeah. literally, with a scar. Yeah, scar yeah. But if he would have been like, hey, maybe it's the Longbottom kid and attack a Longbottom kid, the exact same thing would have happened, except for with Neville. Mm. I like it. But uh, it's like an interesting sort of theory that he basically is this super nervous kid who doesn't know anything at the beginning of the Harry Potter series. And by the end, he's sort of like the ultimate badass who gets to pull the sword out and gives the big speech and everything like that. Yeah, he got, yeah, he got to do He that. comes to do his own because he was not really a Gryffindor until that moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm tapped out as far as, as what I happen to know. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 as much as I feel like guys. we've talked about other Harry Potter stuff and not this movie... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I'm fanboying super hard, <laughs> which I, I'm fine with, because I, I got nothing as far as like, like I, I'm I'm riding the ride right now. Yeah, you're, so, you're tapped right out. Now. I understand. I mean, um, like, I, I if you guys have anything else that you want to bring up, I mean, feel free to do. I, so I, as, as far as I mean, I do, but I'll let Carly go first if she's got anything extra. Anything off the top, off the top of your dome piece. You know what? Kev, you go ahead, and then maybe I'll. Kind of She'll chime in as you go. <laughs> the one issue I have with this movie, and and I mentioned it kind of earlier, is that I don't know how well, as a movie, it kind of explains itself to new audiences or even like yeah, it no, doesn't stand diehard alone. audiences. Um, and and I think that the reason for that is because again we have uh, Dan Fogler as our sort of audience surrogate. Well, he's he's our but everyone in this movie is character. Yeah. Yeah, he he's us. Yeah. Like he's as much as some of us might know about the movies, you have to assume that someone's coming in and this is their first step into this world. Yes. Or or you know, even if they were into the movies, they might not have read the books and so they don't have all the same background as uh Carly and I. Whereas like Matt, you've read, watched all the movies, but I mean there was a lot of stuff that we are now sort of afterwards explaining to you and why we thought it was awesome. Uh but my my point is that as a audience surrogate, it doesn't feel like a whole lot actually gets explained to him so much as he's just kind of taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, when things are explained to him, it seems kind of throwaway and not really explained that well. And I, I don't want to say it's because of Eddie Redmayne's accent in this movie, but it just seems like um, it's it's a it's an opaque movie. Like it, it's it's super interesting, but if you don't know what's going on, it doesn't really slow down to explain it to you. Yeah, because. You bring you bring up an interesting point because Eddie Redmayne's character isn't really interested in the goings on of 
No, and, and it's exemplified in that dinner scene because yeah. they're hosting for him and he's super gracious and everything like that. But Eddie Redmayne is literally trying to leave. <laughs> yeah, and and because like he just he doesn't care about the fact that there's these bare bone people who have created this cult and and are he's, he has his own single minded mission. <laughs> exactly right, and he's just like, I he, yeah, he's his character has tunnel vision a little bit where he's where he's just like, listen, I'm just here to get this. Thunderhawk thing back to Phoenix and then once that happens I'm going back to where I'm from right and I could give a fuck about what's going on with these barebone people who are starting this uh, nomad uh, you know yeah, revolution <laughs> yeah revolution thing where they're like we got you know the the, the witches are out there and we've got you know they, they, they want to get the, the second sale <laughs> yeah they want to get the pitchforks and torches and, and go you know yeah. burning people one more again and He's just like, listen, I'm just here to release this Thunderhawk thing. Whoops, a bunch of my creatures got out by accident, and now I'm in the thick of it, right? And, yeah, whether I want to be or not. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I mean, it just, it goes back, it, it really rewinds me back to that, that whole Johnny Depp reveal that, man, I just did not like that whatsoever. Like, that was really bad. Like, that was like, to me, if you were enjoying an eight-course meal... And the first seven courses were just so goddamn fantastic. Like they just, yeah, you know, they every, serve fish heads for dessert. Every, yeah, everything <laughs> is as good as as it could be. And then your eighth course, they bring you feces, right, for, <laughs> for your eighth court, right? It, it, and it was just like, it was so unnecessary. <laughs> it just, it uh, really was. And I don't know if it'll pay off in like the second movie because. I think that there's a lot that they could have done if they had paced the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie better to kind of explain it better. But, yeah, I generally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very interested to see now what the first half hour of the next movie is because I hope that there are some things that get explained. I hope that Colin Farrell is still in it as his own person. Like... I don't know that we'll see Dan Fogler anymore, but part of me kind of hopes that we will. There was kind of tease at the end there. Yeah, because they they left it. They they did the. Uh, yeah, he's got some residual memories, and maybe he remembers the squeamy person. Well, they yeah, left it to well, the audience, right? You get to decide whether or not when she kissed him, if she cast some spell on him that'll allow him to remember her, right? Like, well, my first you. thought was that maybe he, because as soon as he stepped out in the rain and it was kind of this dramatic moment and all that, I'm like, is he gonna end up like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm one-eighth wizard on my father's side and I never knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it didn't work. I guess I retained all my memories and, you know, maybe next season I'm the first 30-year-old student at <laughs> at, uh, you know, Hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man because you know that would be silly as hell I'd be yeah, down for it certainly would be but I, I, it, it would pull all the gravitas out of that moment and so part of me kind of hopes that he's back and part of me kind of hopes that he isn't and so I'm going to be happy either way mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that I want to see explained in the next movie and I mean if the point of this movie is to get you excited for the next one then I mean I'm all for it yeah, I mean they've got accomplished I, if that's the Yeah, I mean if uh, can I envision a universe in which I don't see the next four Harry Potter movies? Not really. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that I found with the movie is that I found that I don't know, even though it's called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I found that I don't know, maybe it's just me that that seemed like it took was kind of more on the back burner and like it, like the They had like three plots going at once. Like I really thought that the main <laughs> plot was this 
like Ezra Miller situation. And you know mm-hmm. what? It just makes me wonder, like, what are they going to be doing with the next movies? Are they going to be, like, how really is this going to be Fantastic Beasts related? Is it is it going to be, or is it more going to be, hey, we've got this Grindelwald character, and we have, like, Ezra Miller's character. You know what I mean? And, and it'd be more kind of about that. And I don't know. I just... Well, and that's kind of how I expected it would go going forward. But I I agree with you and I agree with Matt that I would have very much liked the sort of Grindelwald over story to take a backseat for this one. Yeah, it's very much like if if at the end of the first Iron Man movie there was a scene with Thanos, that would have been bananas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that would have been way too soon to introduce that sort of idea. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's one thing to kind of set, like, you know, the reason that this is all sort of happening, the reason that we're all sort of paranoid in the, you know, magical Congress of the United States of America these days is because there are these attacks happening. And that's why, you know, there's sort of this zero tolerance policy as far as magical creatures in the, in America. And that's why things are as tense as they are in this movie. That would have been perfect for me. And then if they have a scene at the end where, you know, it kind of leads more into the Grindelwald story, then awesome. And when they had that first shot of Johnny Depp at the very, very beginning of the movie from the back of his head and he has no lines and you're kind of just like, okay, well, I've seen a bunch of newspaper articles flying by in true Harry Potter style about this Grindelwald character and all the attacks that he's doing. That would have been enough for me. Uh, and and I also, I, I agree with Matt 100%. I wish that Graves was his own guy. He was a toady for, uh, Grindelwald who had infiltrated the, uh, the, the Macusa exactly like they did with Voldemort and his, uh, his goonies in the, uh, ministry in, in the original series. Um, and just kind of have it go from there. Even if they capture him at the end, like they did, and they are interrogating him for like the entire next movie or something like that, to have him be the sort of Wormtail character. I don't know. I, I, again, I, I don't, I don't want to doubt too much because I'm still going to be super excited to see the rest, and I imagine it'll, it'll still be good, but as a standalone movie, this one had some issues, especially as far as the ending. Well, and I think that, like, I, I mean, I... I'm so with you. I love Harry Potter universe, and I know that I'm going to be super excited to see this one. And I like this movie. I thought this movie was great. Um, and I'll be, yeah, I'll be really excited to go and see the other movies. But I just feel like it's, it makes me wonder how they're going to be going with these other movies. Like, I feel like they're going to be going in the route where it's about this, this Grindelwald character, and it's going to end up ending with, like, like I had said Dumbledore at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Why. That's how I see it going. And then it's just kind of like, well, and how does Fantastic Beasts, like, kind of fit in? Do you know what I mean? But, like, I, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe I, it won't and... go that way. Maybe it'll just go... I well, I'm wondering if there's going to be any more plot points with it necessarily. Like, I can see Newt Scamander still being, like, our sort of protagonist viewpoint into this world and the events that are happening at this period in time, sort of as a period piece within this history. Um, but I don't think it will have anything to do with Fantastic Beasts, honestly, or at least right. not very much. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's why I very much, like, there's a working title, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them too. I really hope that that's not the actual title. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, it feels like your thought on this, Carly, is you, you feel like this movie could have done better with a different title. Yeah, like, I just find, not, I mean, I well, get... One, one way or the other, but they tried so... to have it both ways. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I, I, I get why they have the title because there that obviously was part of the plot. Mm-hmm. But I just find that like, where do you go from there? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, with the next couple movies, I just wonder how they're going to kind of incorporate that. Maybe they will. Maybe, maybe they won't. Either way, I still find both plots to be interesting. I know that you guys have kind of had your issues with the Grindelwald situation. Well, it was just... I ha- didn't. I, I find it interesting, too. I just wish that they hadn't forced it so much into this movie and more kept it as a backdrop to kind of explore more later. It, it just felt right. like they didn't yeah. need to have Johnny Depp revealed immediately. Um, and I actually hope that, because I know that Dumbledore is going to be in this series eventually, I kind of hope that he isn't in the next movie. I know, I hope that he's more closer to... Because I, he's a character who's super mysterious, and we yes. never got a full explanation of him when he was alive. And yeah. even when he was dead, we even got like a very sort of... Here's a one-sided explanation of him, and we don't really get his input on it because he's dead. He's dead, yeah. Um, and it, to kind of have him omnipresent in as a youth, or, you know, as someone in his, like, you know, 30s and very limber and possibly even sexy like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> especially because like you know like i think a couple years after the book series ended and i think even before the movies ended you know it was kind of confirmed by jk rowling that uh dumbledore was a homosexual and that his relationship with gallery grindelwald was more than just friendly like they're arch nemeses but they're are jilted lovers Oh, that I could like be that. super interesting, I but like the more the more kept mysterious there, I feel, the better. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not because I don't want to see a super magical, you know, Jedi fight between two jilted ex-gay lovers on the screen because that sounds right <laughs> up my alley. <laughs> but you know, I, I think the more of Dumbledore left to the imagination, the better. Yeah. I just if you're doing Dumbledore, like let's say they go to him in the second one. Yeah. In the second one, he's got five o'clock shadow. In the third one, he's got, you know, a little bit... Oh, I see. A little bit (laughs) fuller. You're going to see the beard evolution. In the fourth one, he's maybe a little more Grizzly Adams. And then the fifth one, he's full-on Dumbledore beard. Like, the beard gets bigger as far as the movies go, right? The great big bush. I don't want to see, like, some sort of... I want to see, like, actual growth in the beard. I don't want to see he casts some spell... And now he has a beard, right? I don't want it to go down like that. Like, let's let's have beard growth. I and I cannot well. see um, him being in any of the like early movies. Like, like if they're if they're you said four movies after this, if he, like I would say he'd be in the fourth because, like, even for this situation, like with him um, defeating Grindelwald, that doesn't happen until the forties. No, you know what yeah, I mean? I, exactly. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen until the forties, and it, there is a lot of time that they spend apart. <laughs> yeah, so I th- like. I mean, I hope that they kind of play it that way too, like where you kind of keep him more of a mystery, and then you know what I mean. If they end up going that way, and like there's a big fight in the end, like kind of keep it. Yeah, the you gotta call him the big guns. <laughs> Get me out of this, Brian Wolfric Dumbledore. <laughs> I keep, I keep coming back to that. Maybe it could have done. Maybe, maybe I would have liked it a little more if it had a uh, a different title. Because, like, you're right, Carly. It was like the movie was called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but that's really only like sixty percent of the movie. Like sixty percent of the movie is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and then the other. I wouldn't even say sixty percent. I would say that that's less. Like I don't. Maybe. I don't know. I it just felt found... like sixty percent, but and then but then like thirty five percent is Colin Farrell and Ezra Miller and the 
the uh, what, what were they called I, the Makusa or whatever the yeah the uh, magical uh, congress of the United States of the United States those guys and 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 the the, the Salem witch burning people second Salem yeah the second Salem and then the last five percent is Johnny Depp showing up for no reason at the end of the movie yeah I I, I actually uh, kind of disagree with you guys I feel that because that was our main insertion point into the movie and because the ultimate sort of baddie of the movie was technically a magical beast mm -hmm. i feel like that was the primary motivator of the main character of this movie mm -hmm. uh where i agree with you more is that in future movies i don't think that that would serve as an adequate um motivator especially because they've revealed the main villain this early mm -hmm. right and sorry and i i don't i don't um agree in the sense that um, the title should have changed. I think the title does make sense. I just still think you that wish that the focus was more on that. More on it. Yeah, I do. Then, then yes, I'll definitely agree. Because because when it came when those parts were on screen, mm. I, I was like more in my yeah. You're having like, fun at that like, point. Yay! Bring on the magic! It's so exciting. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. and you know what I mean. Not that the other parts of the movie weren't cool. Like I thought that they were great, but I just I. That was kind of more the highlight for me. Or, or... You know what, though, Carly? Ever since um, The Order of the Phoenix, I feel like I'm the only one in the world who's actually interested in the politics of the Wizarding World. <laughs> like, I'm one who's like, that movie was so boring. Like, I'm like, no, but it was cool because it was they were completely in denial about this threat that they were facing and starting, starting to shut down other threats, other perceived threats as a response. I'm like, that's super interesting. There was a little moment. There, there was, I say, a good... 15, 30 seconds there where I was afraid that Harry Potter was about to become the Star Wars prequels for a second there. Like when, uh, Oh yeah. With, with the, anytime, with the Congress. <laughs> anytime, yeah. Anytime Catherine Waterston tried to do anything in that movie, basically for like the first hour, everyone yeah. was red. Shades of Amidala. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Everyone was red taping her. Right. And they were like, you know, they, they were just like, Oh, here's the, there, we're, we're going to explain the bureaucracy and the polit you know it's like we're going back in time and we explain the bureaucracy and the the politicking of the wizard world which is you know everything that sunk the star wars franchise when like i say stunk i when i say st sunk i mean in a storytelling way not in a making money way because star wars has proved several times that you can take a dump in a box and slap star wars on it and they're going to make a billion dollars and, oh and of they're course going to do it in less than a month with uh yeah. And Rogue I don't even one. think it's, I don't think it's even shit. necessarily absent in Harry Potter. Like, I think that there is still the bureaucracy in red yeah. tape, but it's a lot more interesting to see on screen because mm -hmm. it's not just a bunch of people in like a floating fucking opera. Yeah. Like it didn't stadium. happen. It didn't happen. It's, like it's said, people in the just... Ministry of Magic where there's all these cool statues and there's memos shaped like rats fighting yeah. each other and coming through pneumatic tubes. And it's interesting to actually watch. And because it was kind of present from the beginning like the only movie that hasn't had ministry involvement in it was the very first movie <laughs> like it's been there since the beginning and you're just kind of used to having them there and i mean they had more of a, a, a sort of oppressive presence later on certainly but you're used to it at that point and when they get kind of outside of their scope 
that's when things become a bit more interesting and instead of really goddamn boring. <laughs> because if you're a Star Wars fan, you're not watching it to see someone, you know, giving a vote of non-confidence in the Senate. You're watching it so that you can see people shooting spaceships at each other and fighting with laser swords. <laughs> yeah. I liked that too, though. Like, even when I actually read the books, like, the parts... Um... This is totally off topic, but like the Ooh, parts like in the books when like that I liked were when um, Harry kind of was in Dumbledore's office or whoever's office and would go kind of into um, like his memories and like yeah, all those sort of memories a point, like counterpoint yeah when memories, they were having like the Inquisitions <laughs> yeah like and all those memories took place like at the Ministry or like you know what I mean during like trials and stuff and like I loved stuff like I thought that was really really cool. yeah that was great because we got that insight especially because we didn't really know who Dumbledore was but even as far as early as like book three or four we knew he was super anti-establishment yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that dude don't play by nobody's rules yeah, yeah like don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts didn't go there the way Star Wars prequels did. I just, I had this like, no, not at all, I had this like 30 seconds where I was like, yeah, I had this 30 seconds where I was just like, oh, yeah, no. The back of your head gets cold. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, like, I, I see this, where this is going. Yeah, I had this itch in the back of my head where I was like, don't do it. Don't you do it. And then they didn't, which was great. But like I said, just the, the way uh, Catherine Waterston's character was just, just kept getting blackballed at every turn. Well, was there was the like, one oh, scene where they were having what looked like the the friggin' UN of magic. Exactly, right? <laughs> like yeah. someone from every country, and they're having the meeting, and she just, like, barges in. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> Galactic Senate all over again. Yeah, exactly. I had that same thought, and, and thankfully they subverted that. Yeah, it did. It didn't go down like that. Which was yeah, they just went straight from that into a super grim uh, execution scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, how it was. That is great. Oh, good. Well, at least then it was a daring escape scene. I actually like the way they did that too, um, because it didn't feel um, sort of. It didn't feel railroaded no. because it was very much like she's about to die and her sister knew it because of course she knew it. Yeah. And it made sense because we knew who that character was and what she did and that she read people's minds almost accidentally. Like it was super easy for her to do. And, and, and because she was so close to her sister, it was just like, I'm, you know, in a completely different part of the same building you know, potentially hundreds of meters away. And I just know that this is happening because it's such a powerful thought and for her to subvert it that way. I also really liked the way that she was trying to unlock the door using magic and then Dan Fogel just kicks it down. Yeah, he was like, here's my magic foot, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Maybe you heard of me. Yeah, but like, and I like the fact that, I like the way uh, Eddie Redmayne's character Newt escaped in that situation too, where he used two of the fantastic beasts that he knows how to, you know, use because yeah, they are... he was smuggling off his body. <laughs> yeah, because, like, they were, they were, you know, because he researched them and he knows how, you know, what they do and what they're, and he's, yeah, you know... How they think. It wasn't like, oh my god, I just, you know, I, I did a tuck and roll and now I've got my wand back, right? And, and I escaped, right? It was like, no, he, he used the, that little green thing to... Pick his stuff, and then he yep. had the whatever dragon that was like a yo-yo dragon thing that, like he. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what that was. That, yeah, that cool is hell, that's it. something about the movie that I actually really, really liked. If you know me, then you know that I absolutely cannot handle anything to do with like Animal animals dying, yeah. violence, anything like that. I and the part where 
to have him be this bleeding heart is completely Hufflepuff. Yeah. They, that's what I mean. And he, they take away his, when they first take away his, um, I keep saying Ron, briefcase. Ron Perlman like his, takes his green thingy. Bow truckle. No, 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 no. This is when they're, when he gets, he basically is arrested with Oh, oh right. they take yeah. the case away. His, his briefcase and he's yelling, like, you don't understand oh, him. Like, don't, yeah, please yeah. don't. He's not even worried that he's about to be executed. Like, yeah. I was like. I had that moment too because he was being dragged away to be interrogated yeah. later executed and he wasn't even concerned about that he was concerned about them yeah it was, it was, and that is that I is diehard Hufflepuff yeah. love and him I liked that they didn't go that way with it that, that like I was like going in thinking like okay I'm preparing myself I think that there's probably going to be at least one animal or one beast that like hey doesn't make it, it and I'm like ready for it but it was nice that they didn't really go that way. Like I, I was really worried too, especially when they had that scene when they took the case. You're exactly yes. right, Carly. Because I'm like, if I see a scene where like, it's it's if I see like a scene out of the last Airbender where Colin Farrell's like summoning a fire whip out of his wand and whipping like in a rumpet or something, I'm gonna have a fit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, it didn't go down yeah. like that. Escape, Appa. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the overall grade? On, on Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. <laughs> Sorry, much like every movie review, we've been all over the place. On this one. Yeah. Well, it's got we got to give the the whole story, right? Yeah, like, it's our know. super non-professional hour and a half long. That's how we do. What people have come to expect from us. Um, I'm going to give this an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, not perfect, but I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'm super excited to see the next one, especially if it can make up for the nitpicks I have with this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those, we, I think we have a, we agree on what those nitpicks are. Yeah. I also really liked it. I probably would have given it like maybe an eight and a half or nine. Like I thought it was really, really good. Um, and I, it's just nice that I haven't had my Harry Potter universe in what feels like forever, other than my awesome trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice to kind of go back into it and I just thought they did a really good job. Oh my God, Carly. I wanted to, I wanted to be a fucking Tommy texter <laughs> because as soon as that movie opened and it does the, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, I'm like, no. Oh. Yeah. That was the thing. It's that all was... happening again. I think that Harry Potter, because John Williams did the score, right? I, I yeah, think, yeah. I think John Williams has, has, has done it again where, yeah. Cause you bring up a good point when it started with that, Harry Potter little... And then bled into, like, a, its own sort of Newt Scamander theme. Yeah, like, piano-y type, uh, trumpet like, theme. Oh, fuck, it's got, like, the, the uh, opening yeah. crawl where the title comes flying at you from the screen, and it's all, like, hewn in metal, and it flies past the viewer, yeah, like, oh, man, second, I'm back! The second you heard that theme, and it does, like, and, and Star Wars has that same effect, right? Like, when you hear, yeah, like, the, Yeah, like, when you hear the, the, the John Williams over that, and, and John Williams did, uh... You know, uh, friggin' Indiana Jones Indiana too, Jones. right? Where you hear da 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 da. You're right there with Indiana Jones, and and even I think Danny Elfman's score for the early Batman movies, I oh, think, yeah, no, falls absolutely. into that for me too. Like when I hear da 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 da, right? I'm right there, and it just harry potter i think is on it's i mean i'm sure it's been on that level for for you guys for the longest oh my time gosh. But, i have the soundtrack but when okay, i, I yeah that exactly the first movie yeah but it's there for I, me i didn't too. even know pierce i didn't yeah. even know that i was that like tied into that theme and that style of opening credits Absolutely. until it hit me and i'm like oh my god <laughs> this yeah, has happened yeah it, 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 it gets you there and uh 
the Wonder Woman movie doesn't suck. It it, it could happen for that that one. Uh, yeah, a little little Wonder Woman theme that 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 that, that happened. Uh, what trailers? It's a rad theme. Yeah. What trailers did you get when you went to go see this? Oh, uh, I did get Wonder Woman. Yeah, we did too. Um, what else did I get? I got Wonder Woman. I got uh, that Passengers sci-fi with um, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. No, we didn't get that one. We got another sci-fi one where some kid is like born on Mars and has oh, been yeah, just, yeah. texting this girl or has been like Facebooking this girl down on Earth and then he goes to meet her and then they're like, you can't. And it almost can't. looked like it showed the whole movie. And they're yeah, they it looked like they gave away the whole movie in the trailer. Like, oh, and nice. friggin' what's-his-face is in it. Uh, friggin' he's in everything. He's in Harry Potter. He's in... Uh, <laughs> He's Commissioner Gordon in the fucking uh, Wyatt. Oh, uh, um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, Jesus. thank you. Jesus. Whoa. Yeah, big brain fart there. One of the greatest actors on ever. Forever. Walked. Yeah, one of, one of the greatest actors ever walk on planet Sorry, Earth. Sorry, for, for a second there, he became serious black to me. Yeah, right? And, I'm and, deep in it, apparently, today. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, and, and he was in it. That, that was a little strange. Uh, I did my waiting. Yeah. 12 years of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's Gary Oldman's funny. character favorite. My, his my favorite character he ever played is always gonna be friggin' Cl uh, Drexel Spivey from True Romance. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> see if I had everyone. That, that's from friggin'. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not. That's not <laughs> the professional. That's for the. Yeah, that's right. That's which he's fantastic in too. And he, because he's at like I don't even want to say eleven. He's at like thirteen in that movie. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Yeah, like, that's so good. That but when he plays Drexel Spivey in True Romance, when he's like, "See if I had asked if you want some dinner," and you grab an egg roll and stuff, started to chow down. Oh god, so good. What a good scene. Ah, oh, I love True Romance. Uh, I'm giving well, this movie an eight too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on the eight train with you guys. Could have been a nine if not for that terrible. Like I had to knock a full point off for that really. Just, I keep coming back to it. That just unnecessary reveal that happened. Yeah, at the end. and then that's fair. I get you. Yeah. I, I, God, Pierce, I almost want you to, like, hey, you know what? Take a couple weeks off work. Yeah. <laughs> Read all the Harry Potter yeah. books. Well, it's like, it's like, it's 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 just it was a twist not even M Night Shyamalan could love, which is, is. I really didn't see it coming. I honestly didn't even know he was in the movie. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't. Prefer see it, it wouldn't have. But that doesn't mean it was good, though. Was the thing. No, right? no, like, but I'm just saying. Like the the. the the, the Ezra Miller twist where it turned out he was the the whatever shadow creature yeah. all along because they kept beating you over the head with it's gonna be this creepy sister <laughs> yeah the creepy girl and they kept saying and, and Eddie Redmayne had the red herring conversation where he goes you know they can't live past 10 years old right and, and there was the creepy little sister right and 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 you know, it turned out it was Ezra Miller the whole time and it was just like oh my god he's so powerful he can live past 10 years old into however old like Ezra Miller's character to me, like how old do you think he was supposed to? Be? I thought 15, 16, yeah, 17. Yeah, teenager, seventeen. Right? I had him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was about where I had him too. Seventeen tops, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just so yeah, like all the red herring conversations led you away from from. That, that was a good twist, I thought. Yeah, I, 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 I thought, thought it was good, especially because it came very shortly after uh, Colin Farrell just basically yeah, like threw him in the dirt and yeah. called him a squib, and yeah. I want to have nothing more to do with you. Yeah, he was like, "You're you're useless to me." I'm done with you. Yeah, I'm done with you. Oh, so good. Oh, I love Colin Farrell. He, he's he is similar to Matthew McConaughey in 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 my. <laughs> 
Uh, that's actually a very good comparison. I think so. And I like, can't explain it, but I know what you mean. Well, no, here's, here's, I'll explain it right now. Matthew McConaughey and Colin Farrell should not be the lead actors in films. They're the guys who stand next to the guy and make them look better. Right? Like, cause, oh, like I don't even know if I agree with that. I, I think so. Cause like Matthew McConaughey, think about it. All of the things that have started the, the, what, what everyone refers to as the McConaissance, right? The yeah. McConaissance was, was brought about by the fact that he was just taking all of the best, like, B guy parts in movies, and I think Colin Farrell, like his best moments are all the, in the same fashion when he's like the guy standing next to the guy, right? And and he like he doesn't have to make the movie work; he just shows Fair. up. Fair, yeah, you know awesome, what? That's okay. Right? When they're part of like an ensemble cast yeah. or like as a uh, as like a, a villain or something like that. Like you wouldn't want Clooney to play george Clo- or sorry i was gonna say you wouldn't want colin farrell to play the george clooney character in oceans 11 you would want him to play the brad pitt character right uh yeah i'd actually be very happy to see colin farrell playing basher in oceans 11. <laughs> yeah like there you go and and yeah i just let's more colin farrell in movies please. in a don shito role yeah exactly <laughs> so good so i think that's it more roles for what anything else you want to add to the fantastic beasts i think we uh I just want to ask quickly because I imagine Carly has probably done this. Um, I finally went through Pottermore and actually did my official sorting and wand selection and everything like that. Carly, what house are you? And I imagine you've done that. Okay, I haven't done that, but I did the Patronus. Did you oh, do that okay. one? The personality I've, test I've, thing. On I've done. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to finally know. Actually, yeah, I've done. I've, I've done them both, and I know what my wand would be. <laughs> so what did you get? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I am Ravenclaw. <laughs> and what was which your Patronus? Is, which with strong Hufflepuff leanings. Uh, my Patronus is a dolphin. It's a dolphin? Yeah, which I didn't expect, but I'm kind of okay with. <laughs> okay. Okay, Matt got a friggin' cool Patronus. He got like okay. a he got like the gray like a a great gray owl or something crazy. Uh, and I, I don't like, even remember doing that. Really? I was gonna say mine would. I was gonna say heavy favorites were gonna come in on like wild boar or something like that. I okay, think for me. I got a. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I don't even know what it's called. A wool cat or something. It's like a type of ferret or weasel. <laughs> and but that's so Hufflepuff, though. I could see you as a very strong Hufflepuff. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're house animals of badger. I mean, <laughs> it's the same family. But when we did those quizzes, I know Facebook gives their quizzes are like not really anything, but mm. I loved mine. Mine was like, you are best friends with Hagrid, and you go to Dumbledore for advice, and I was like, This is yeah. everything I want! I like, right. Yeah, I, I like mine as well, because it claimed that I would marry Emma Watson, and I think that's a perfect place to end this podcast. Someday, someday. Who's showing up in Beauty and the Beasts. And I can't so, wait. Yeah, that's, I got that trailer, actually. Yeah. That's going to be and, and yeah, I get that one, but yeah, that one was really I cool. love that trailer. If that movie is a shot-for-shot remake of the animated Beauty and the Beast, certainly what it looks like. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Done. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic yeah. movie, and a shot-for-shot remake would not be the worst thing to do. G- yeah. Gaston is the true hero of that story. That's all I'm going to say. You are he like is the true that. hero of that story. Uh, yeah, so that's it for our Fantastic Beasts uh, review slash explaining to Pierce what was really going on in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm going to put out the call to action, yeah. too. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, do us a favor. 
uh, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and tell me what house you're in. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Do, no, don't actually that. leave us a review. Just put what house you're in. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 and we'll read them, and, and maybe we'll mention them on air. If, if you and if you're in Ravenclaw, I will give you a shout-out on the box. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, All other houses, you'll die in a fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's that'll be it for this week. We'll be back uh, next week with more football stuff. And we got to get Miller on soon because we got to get caught up on. We, we got to come on and talk a little uh, DC CW CW <laughs> universe, which has been fan freaking tastic. So far I am so season. far behind on those, but just hearing yeah. you talk about how much you like them, yeah, I mean, better, I, I desperately start, like that. You better start chugging them out because, like, Supergirl alone. <laughs> has just been and you need to you it's need to not even just supergirl legends okay the very yeah, first legends episode of so legends guys stop, really stop. like you gotta you you've really gotta chug through yeah, them because through. because the nope. freaking four episode like the four the, the week-long crossovers coming up in in a week i was gonna say that's next week and my my plan is so, i've got an empty weekend coming up i plan to crush through the yeah, like you, you, three episodes or four episodes behind on each of them so we'll we'll make a plan to do it after the big crossover to try to get caught up because basically I'm just like spoiler alert for you for this, but they basically have given Superman's Rogues Gallery to Supergirl in this series so far. So. And I was wondering if that was going to happen. Okay, awesome. So yeah, so <laughs> well, I mean, it, my, it, my boy Mattel has been on the show already. That's a great start. Yeah, so it, it begs the question of who Superman's been fighting all this time, but whatever, I don't care. Just just go with it, right? I guess he's only just, Luthor. I'm I putting guess, on yeah, fire. Only, only Luthor for for and petty criminals and putting on fire. Yeah, what a hero. Exactly. Yeah. Yay, talking crossover on the crossover. Yeah, absolutely. Full on crossover. Oh, shit. I love it. All right. Uh, So that'll be it. We went a little bit long on this one. We weren't as long as I thought. We we got a little excited. But that's all right. I like it. Um, So take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Crossover Podcast.